Welcome to Obesity, a Disease, the official Obesity Medicine Association podcast exploring the many facets of the disease of obesity. In this episode, OMA Chief Science Officer Dr. Harold Bays leads an article review with an industry expert. Obesity, a Disease podcast is brought to you by the Obesity Medicine Association, a clinical leader in obesity medicine. Hello. My name is Dr. Harold Bays, Medical Director and President of the Louisville Metabolic and Atherosclerosis Research Center, located in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also Associate Clinical Professor at the University of Louisville School of Medicine. And uh, today's topic, uh, we're going to be talking about prior authorization uh, with regard to anti-obesity medication treatment. I know this is on the minds of not just a lot of clinicians, but by extension, they're patients. So it directly affects all of us, this, this whole prior authorization uh, uh, process. And we're going to go into that. We're going to go into it uh, with my friend, uh, Carolyn. Carolyn, why don't you tell the people who you are and what you do? Hi, um, my name is Carolyn Francavilla, and I'm a family physician and obesity specialist. And I have a clinic in Denver, Colorado called Green Mountain Partners for Health, where I do both primary care as well as obesity medicine. And uh, beyond that, I have a podcast called The Dr. Francavilla Show, where we talk about lots of things related to weight and health. All right. Well, great. Well, so then, yeah, so you're highly experienced with these podcasts. That's, uh, that's kind of raised the bar there, Carolyn. So uh, we'll see how this <laughs> goes here. All right. So pre-authorization. So pre-authorization for the folks that don't know, that's where uh, a clinician uh, evaluates a patient, said, okay, I got the exact right medicine that I think is going to be best for you. And so the clinician, I'm going to, I'm going to do old school here, writes a prescription or puts it into the EMR or whatever. And then the, the insurance company uh, who is, who is paying for the medication or at least paying for part of it uh, determines that, no, we're not going to give that medication unless you go through these processes of uh, giving us some information, and then at that time we'll determine we'll determine whether or not that that we're going to help reimburse uh, at any or or all of this uh, particular medication. So so that I think is just an overview. But uh, Carolyn, within your within the context of um, obesity medicine practice, um, you know, wh what is your experience with with prior authorization and what it means to you and what it means to your patients? Yeah, so this is a newer challenge that we are having to face in obesity medicine with the uh, new, highly effective, but expensive medications in that GLP class. And G prior authorizations are something that uh, healthcare has had to deal with for a while, but they have actually become increasingly burdensome in all aspects of medicine over the last few years, to the point where there's lots of legislation going on in different states and nationally to try to reduce the burden. But we're kind of in this perfect storm right now in obesity medicine, where prior authorizations have become burdensome to all of medicine. And then we have these new medications that are also very expensive and so so one of the ways that insurance companies can try to distribute that medication in a way that's less burdensome to the insurance company is through this prior authorization process to make sure the medication is really getting to the people who qualify for it. Right. And I think I think that's the key. 
Um, look, I, you know, you talked about how this, I mean, in some ways, this is really not new. Um, yeah. The most uh, recent, I think, obvious example for, for me is we were, uh, so I'm, I'm a clinical researcher and we helped develop the uh, pro protein uh, convert aceptilisin kexin 9 class of drugs. That's the PSK. K9 inhibitor drugs. They're used for cholesterol and such. And, and when they first came out, uh, very, you know, very expensive. And so there was this um, effort put forth by the insurance companies, uh, the people who paid for the prescriptions to make the clinicians go through this prior authorization process. So I, I became very aware of, uh, of the challenges that this placed on, on clinicians and their, and their their patients and such. And some of the lessons that I learned from that experience, and we're just, look, it, it was just yesterday, it seems like, that we we learned that not only are these drugs effective for weight reduction, highly effective for weight reduction, but some young reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease, right? So now yeah. we had drugs that, you know, are they good for patients? Are they not good for patients? Are they effective, not effective? Do they help, help uh, reduce adverse health outcomes well yeah the answer is yes i mean they're, they're this is this is a breakthrough this is a game changer and um and as a result the demand is through the roof and to kind of tamp that down i think that's what you were trying to say that health insurance companies have responded with these pre-authorization process and one of the issues is a lot of times clinicians will not give adequate information in their prior authorization. What's your experience with that? That's number one. Yes. So uh, the most important thing to get prior authorizations approved is to have all the information that the insurance yes. company might be looking for available in the chart and available in a really clear format where either you can submit the note and the insurance company can approve it based on that or many times you will have to fill out some sort of form. And so you want that information readily available in your note, very clear to find so that you or an assistant can easily fill out that form. So having all the information that may be requested to approve that medication is going to be the most essential step to having uh, a less burdensome prior authorization process. Number two. Uh, what we learned is that uh, many times there were, say, clinical lipidologists who would have who would have staffing available that could fill out all these pre-authorization forms. And what would happen is the primary care clinicians would say, "I don't have the time for that staffing and the training to staffing and and to have somebody that fills those things out." So, at least at one time, uh, there was a, a gravitation towards uh, primary care clinicians referring. Or, or, or patients to specialists, a lipid specialist, because they had the staffing that the primary care clinician did not. So what's been your experience about uh, adequately of staffing and, and expertise and filling out all these prior authorization forms comparing primary care clinicians versus obesity medicine specialists? That's a great question. And I think um, as a primary care specialist and a obesity specialist, 
when it's a medication we don't use very often in primary care, it can be hard to know what that prior authorization is going to need. And so that, you know, is sometimes why it's challenging because we prescribe such a wide variety of medications. And so, you know, if it's something we don't prescribe every day, we may not know what that prior authorization process is going to entail, what's going to qualify someone. So some of the tools that we've created in this obesity pillars article help outline what either a primary care provider or an obesity specialist might want to document so that they have a better chance of getting a approval, but they can be time consuming. And so it seems like in our field of obesity specialists, some clinicians who have smaller clinics, micro practices are doing these forms themselves. And the benefit is they know exactly what information to put in because they know the patient. But I think most of us are outsourcing this to medical assistants or virtual assistants. And so you know, we tend to meet with our virtual assistants every couple of months and just rehash the process and make sure they know where in the note they can find the information they need so they can really efficiently fill out those prior authorizations and figure out what works for our clinic workflow of where to document that information. Um, but it definitely is a burden. And again, this is not unique to obesity medicine. This is happening in pretty much all specialties uh, for, for any medication that is brand name. All right. So you, you said the word outsource. I'm not I'm not exactly sure what, what you meant. Are you saying that that you have employees of yours that that complete these prior authorization forms? Are you saying that you outsource it or refer it to some outside company that helps you fill out? The in, form? in my case, we we hire employees directly. So we okay. Have so you're not you're insourcing it, right? I mean, yes, you're, insourcing yeah, yeah. it. It's, okay, it's, right. I'm not doing it. I am not filling out the prior yes. authorizations. I am just making sure that that my note and my documentation and the way I use my EHR is very standardized so that my virtual assistants can find that information uh, and and know exactly where to find it and quickly fill out a prior authorization. Um, the other thing is that we found challenges, at least in the in the lipid space uh, early on, is there was like no uniformity on what was required by the health insurance company. So are you aware of any particular like template or something that a person could go to and say, what are some of the things that that, that health insurance companies might be looking for that's all put in like one place? Yeah. That, that you could use as a as a resource to set up, for example, your intake forms for your uh, electronic health records. So are you aware of any kind of- Yes, yes. So as part of the Obesity Pillars article that we published <laughs> on this topic, there is a template that has sort of all the possible questions that we have seen come through in the prior authorization process for different insurances. And so, you know, I think one of the ways you might use that template is either to create an intake form in your clinic where you get all of that information filled out by the patient or as a template in sort of your first note when you're discussing medications with the patient so that you have all the possible information documented to have the best chance of getting a prior authorization completed and, and approved. And I think that's just so important because as you mentioned, uh, you know, most clinicians just don't have unlimited resources uh, for the staff to fill in all this information to the extent that you could go to a template and you could, uh, draft, um, you know, your intake form to, to have all this information that would be um, in, that the input would be by the patient, right? The yes. input would be yes. by the patient and not necessarily by the staff. I mean, how, 
That's that's a pretty good way. The information in the template and that you might want to get is information that you probably want to get as part of an intake process for obesity anyways, right? It's stuff like what what nutrition plans has the patient tried? What's their BMI? What's their body fat percentage? Um, What comorbid conditions do they have? This is all information that is probably really reasonable or maybe even essential to gather when we're doing an intake with our patient anyways, but formatting it in a way that you can easily find it or easily document it in the prior authorization process might be a switch uh, in how people are doing their intakes. So for those of us who've done this for a while, you know, we didn't have to submit a lot of information before. And so we could kind of format our notes however we wanted. It may be more important than ever to kind of have a standard way that you are documenting uh, this history for the patient so that this can easily be put into that prior authorization or submitted as notes to get that approval. Um, so just so everybody is, is aware of what we're, what we're talking about, this is the, um, it's a free online document, uh, and it's called, uh, universal prior authorization template for glucagon-like peptide one-based anti-obesity medications and obesity medicine, uh, association proposal. Now you might ask, why did you, why did you only limit to the, to the GLP-1 receptor agonist? And I mean, it's pretty obvious because those are the ones that, generating the most prior authorizations, right? Whether it be GLP-1 receptor agonist by itself or, uh, you know, somehow uh, combined with, uh, you know, some other sort of mechanism. So so folks, if the folks are out there and they're wanting to, um, uh, and, and they're wanting to uh, adapt their intake forms uh, and try to capture that information, again, you know, Karen was one of the co-authors. Uh, I'm one of the co-authors and, all you have to do is just go to Obesity Pillars, uh, free download. You can get that information. Uh, so, Carolyn, just to wrap up, do you have any other sorts of tips or uh, a- anything of interest that you think would really help folks? Well, Dr. Bayes, you should know if you give me a microphone, I'll always speak. But uh, <laughs> you know, one, one core issue here that is adding to the variability that we see in prior authorizations is the fact that obesity is not required to be treated by insurance companies. And so that is a huge thing we've worked on on the advocacy side in obesity medicine is improving access to coverage. Because until we have universal coverage for obesity care, insurance companies are going to be able to, insurance plan are going to be able to make up whatever criteria they want for these medications. And so I know there's been some recent advocacy podcasts, maybe some other ones coming up, but check those out and do what you can in your local community to support coverage of obesity care, because that is also going to help us get access to these medications and have more streamlined prior authorizations. So what I'm hearing from you then is that um, advocacy uh, very much helps influence um, the degree by which we can have successful prior authorizations and get and get the medicate the best medications to our patients. Is that is that what I'm hearing from you? Yes, yes. And there's two advocacy issues here. It's coverage for obesity and then the burdensome prior authorization process that's affecting really all of medicine. And I will say that the American Medical Association is putting in a lot of effort into trying to reduce the burden of these prior authorizations because it is not just affecting obesity medicine. It is affecting all specialties right now. Okay. Well, on that on that bright note, <laughs> on that upside. Uh, all right, Carolyn, thank you so much. I think this has been a lot of uh, really valuable and practical information 
Uh, and we, we've repeatedly given people access to a tool that's free to them that uh, they can alter uh, or perhaps alter their intake forms and such uh, to might make the process a, a bit easier. Uh, and hopefully this will uh, help uh, listeners out there uh, in their ability to get these, these prior authorizations approved so we can get the best care we can uh, to our patients. So thank you again, Carolyn, thank you so much. My name is Harold Bays, and you've been listening to the Obesity Med Association uh, podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Obesity, a Disease. For more information about obesity medicine podcasts and other valuable resources from the clinical leaders in obesity medicine, please visit www.obesitymedicine.org backslash podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode and want to listen regularly, head over to iTunes where you can subscribe, rate, and leave us a much appreciated review. The views expressed in this episode are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily represent the opinions, beliefs, or policies of the Obesity Medicine Association or its members. Please join us again for our next episode of Obesity, a Disease.